0: The Press Box Welcome inside the Press Box. Mike Grace for my partners Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers here to present you the Press Box podcast. Just a slice of what you hear every weekday on great radio stations around the state of Alabama and online 24-7 at Radio. Com. Want to find us? Go there, pressboxradio.com. Check the affiliates page to find the station nearest you. The episodes page to hear the show on demand or simply press the listen button anytime to hear the Press Box 24-7. We offer you up a slice of the yesterday's show with a visit with Mike Morgan, play-by-play man for ESPN and the SEC Network, also host of the JCN Morgan College Football Podcast. Yes, we do get around to talking college football, but we start with college baseball. Mike had the uh, honor to work the Fayetteville Super Regional last weekend and saw NC State go in and upset the nation's number one national seed in Arkansas. But that's not the only great college baseball action this guy has covered in recent years. It's Mike Morgan of ESPN visiting with us in the Press Box podcast.
1: Seems like every time I've got a Super Regional where you think one team is, is going to be dominant, the opposite happens. It's almost like the old... Uh, gus johnson effect when he was doing ncaa basketball with cinderella stories i I had the gauchos defeating a a super loaded louisville team five years ago they were the number two national seed santa barbara had never been to omaha they went on a walk-off grand slam in the ninth by a pinch hitter with 26 at bats all year uh i had indiana going to tallahassee beating a loaded florida state team for their first trip to omaha and you know, this one here, NC State, I, I, I had the luxury of having them in the ACC tournament, so I knew they were good, but I didn't think they were going to go into Fayetteville and win. And then when we found out Kevin Copps was starting, you figure, okay, uh, go ahead and, and, and get the plane tickets. What is it? Uh, uh, Northwest Arkansas, NWA Airport into Omaha, yeah. probably have to lay over somewhere. So uh, it, it's one of those where, again, super regionals can be really unpredictable, and it seems like I've had a lot of those over the years.
2: It is, uh, and, I, and I feel bad. I was about to ask you, can you ex- explain the environment inside that stadium as it got into the later innings, and it was <laughs> such a tight game, but I know that you guys were not allowed to be there. But right. I've got a feeling that there was a ton of nausea as, as – uh, the, the saying used to be rolling throughout that stadium because you're right. They had cops, but they had not gotten a lead that allowed him to be as effective as he could be right. and he's human. He makes the late mistake and you just could tell I've been in that ballpark when it's packed in the visiting team, it's a late home run and it can be as loud as anywhere. It can be as quiet.
1: Anywhere also Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, As you hinted, full disclosure uh, None of us were at uh, the Super Regionals We were not on site Much like uh, most of the year I think every every broadcast I did But three uh, was not on site this year But you know how it is, Chris I mean, we, we've got the crowd noise And the effects feed piped into our headsets So right. for the better part Of the last two games the, Including the one that uh, well, actually, the last three games, including the one that Arkansas won convincingly in game one, you could just hear it was a different sound in my ears of how loud yeah. it was with 12,000 fans. Uh, and then you could hear the collective gulp when uh, Torres hits the home run. And even before that, because that game, you know, it was tied for a while and and, and and NC State had the lead for a while and I've always said this about a super regional, and this goes back to days of calling uh, South Carolina and, and, and calling the number one national seed Gamecocks, losing it home to the raging Cajuns of Lafayette. When you've got that home crowd and you're leading, to your point, it's the best thing going. But when all of a sudden it's game three and you fall behind and every every orifice in your body clinches up pretty tight, <laughs> you, you can sense that in the crowd. And yeah. I think the anxiety starts to carry over on the field into those players because the road team feels like, Hey, we got nothing to lose, man. And the home team is like, Oh my goodness, this is not going to be the party that we all thought it was. And the crowd, you can tell they're, they're feeling the stress and now we're feeling the stress and inning by inning, it just mounts. And I felt there was a little of that with Arkansas on Sunday. And, and Mike also
2: winning when you win, when when you win twenty one to two, or whatever the final was in that first game, if you don't jump out early the next day, and you let that other team hang around, play for pride, whatever, and I sent a I sent a text to Brad Bohannon Friday night. Wasn't it Friday, Saturday, Sunday when that series took place? Yeah, whenever, that's correct. Whenever, yeah, whenever game one was was over, maybe it was the next day. I said. uh I said, does NC State win 3-2 today, or do they get roasted? He goes, I bet they win 3-2. He goes, but who knows? They're college kids. And, I mean, when they win that thing 6-5, I thought, huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, first off, uh, college baseball needs a mercy rule. Um, it's it, it's silly. People saw that score and they said twenty-one to two, and they figured, oh well, at Arkansas is just completely overmatching NC State. This is going to be a laugher. But if you actually watch the game, uh, NC State and Elliot Avent did the smart thing. Their starting pitcher got roughed up, so before you know it, you're down like eight runs in the first few innings. Well, yeah. what do you do at that point? Are you going to continue to use your best bullpen arms? Heck no. You're in retreat mode. You're waving the white flag. So from innings five through nine, NC State was throwing kids out there that had thrown three innings all year. I mean, you know, the the joke in Pro ball is that they just got this guy. He was driving an Uber, and now he's got a major league uniform to work some some innings out of the pen. So they basically – they were tanking game one from about the fourth or fifth inning on because that's the smart strategy. And then what happens in game two and three, you say, look, so what? We lost 21 to two. Who cares if we lost a hundred to nothing? We've got our best arms ready to go. It's just one game and this is best two out of three. So that's how that went. I never thought because it was 21 to two, I, like, oh no, now this is not going to be a series that that was the wrong yeah. take by a lot of people. Because again, without a mercy rule and, and knowing that you're not coming back from 10 runs against a team like Arkansas, you just go ahead and throw out your, your lesser pitchers and you start focusing on games two and three.
2: It's a, it was a great strategy, obviously, certainly the way that it played out state got enough to, to really challenge for the whole thing though. I mean, we were debating this uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. I kind of picked them for, for fun, just to mess with Mike, but uh, they, they, they swing it well enough. Don't they to, to get it done if they can not fall into the loser's bracket early?
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Here's why they're an amazing story. It's essentially a 14-man roster, okay? Okay. They play the same nine guys in that starting lineup every day without fail. I couldn't even tell you who their first guy off the bench is because I've never seen them. Uh, The the starting nine has – produced every home run and every rbi with the exception of two on the season i've never seen anything like that we're you know we're nearing 70 games now their pitching staff is a five-man staff it's three guys in your rotation and it's two relievers in justice and billman two hard throwing lefties who you saw on saturday and sunday to help them clinch that victory so, you, offensively, there's no question they're good enough to go deep in Omaha. Pitching wise, do they have enough depth? I always say this, though, about Omaha. Here's the X factor compared to what Chris, you and I are used to when it comes to conference tournaments and then regionals and super regionals. You play day after day after day, there's no days off. But when you get to Omaha, it's game and then day off go to the hotel go to the casino in council bluffs yeah. go to the pool do whatever you want to do but just chill then it's game and then it's another day off so what that does is it allows it, it evens the playing field a little bit you might have the deepest staff there but it doesn't matter as much because the other teams that are thinner on the mound they've got those extra days off that you don't have in the regular season so because of that even with a five man staff I think State could do some damage. Will they? I I don't know. It's a really, really loaded field. Uh, But there's certainly a team that can compete there. I've always said this. Like People are obviously high on Tennessee right now, and I love the job Tony Bitello has done. But if you're asking me to handicap this thing, I'm always going to go with the teams that have already been there, that have players that have experience in Omaha versus the newbies. So I'm going with Vanderbilt. I'm going with Mississippi state. I'm going with Texas. Those will be my top three teams, uh, as opposed to the teams like NC state and Tennessee, where that first day you're going to be looking around at TD Ameritrade with your jaw dropped going, man, I can't believe I made it to the promised land. And then oh, oh by the way, you're going to have to play a ridiculously good opponent and try to win the game. So that's the way I see it in terms of handicapping the field.
2: But they, uh, it's as deep a field as it's been in a long time, though,
1: right? Yeah, it is And look, it's just like basketball, guys. We love the Cinderella story. It's it's part of what makes tournament play magical. But when you get to the Final Four in basketball, or when you get to the Final Eight in baseball, you you, you start to gravitate toward the premier programs, right? And I can tell you, ESPN wants that because the more premier programs you have, the more eyeballs, the the, the better the ratings. And I have a feeling this will be a pretty good ratings year for for Omaha. But, yeah, I mean, you've got three SEC, two ACC, two Pac-12, and one Big 12. So there's no Stony Brook in this field. There's no Fresno State. Uh, There's just a bunch of loaded teams from loaded conferences. And and I guess NC State's the closest thing to a Cinderella. But, heck, they were the second-best team in the ACC all year long. They were the number one offense in the acc all year long and they should have won the acc tournament so i don't know how much of a cinderella we're really calling them either
0: mike morgan our guest mike it's jd down in mobile uh mike morgan espn play-by-play a great baseball broadcaster what, what are you hearing you two teams that are out right now are Ole miss and lsu and an imminent coaching announcement should be coming from baton rouge you hearing anything
1: Uh, J.D., I've been hearing rumors on that for uh, about two months. (laughs) You know, I work a lot with a couple of SEC – excuse me, a couple of LSU alums, including Todd Walker, who was my primary partner all year long, and I've worked a lot with Ben. And uh, I would started hearing things about Paul Maneri's future a long time ago. And and I think it was handled perfectly by the school and by Paul – uh, it was a classy way to to go out and 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 go ahead and and move on to the next chapter. I I heard the Kevin O'Sullivan rumors like everybody else for months. Uh, then you started hearing Casey, and then you started hearing. Uh, now it's Mike Bianco. Um, there's another big name there I missed that it's also been in the Let's rumor mill. Me. I, truth of the matter is, I don't know. I, I'm glad I don't yeah. know because I don't have to pretend like I don't know and I actually do. I really don't. And I'm not sure if they do because because they're LSU, they can go after anybody that they want. And that person's going to pick up the phone. Right. Because it's LSU. But I, I keep coming back to this. I love everything about LSU's program, fan base, facilities and obviously the tradition. But if you're a head coach now and you're already making a lot of money and you're already winning a lot of games, do you want to take the job in Baton Rouge where going to five World Series and winning a national championship isn't enough? Because it wasn't enough with Paul Maneri and it's not going to be enough with the next guy. They expect uh, the expectations there are higher than any other program in the country. I mean, they almost look at their baseball program the way Alabama looks at their football program. If Alabama doesn't make it to a playoff, it's a major disappointment. If LSU doesn't make it to Omaha, that's the way they look at it. So do you want to go ahead and go into that ultimate pressure cooker because you're going to get an extra couple hundred grand when you're already making a million? I I, I don't know. I, I that That's where these guys who ordinarily would say, man, the premier program in the country just wants just called me and wants me to take their job. But do I want to be on the hot seat four years, four years from now? That right, is, right. I think all those things go into the head of, uh, of the potential candidate as to whether or not he is going to skip a great situation already and take that job. All right. So we're sitting here
2: a month removed from sec media days for football. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know if you're gonna be in town or not. I hope you are. I'd love to see you. But it yeah. would be uh, it would be a little silly to think that it the bigger story may not be what's happening between the lines, but everybody's gonna to wanna to know the coach's reactions to NIL transfer, all of that <laughs> playoff deal. When it when it's said and done, what do you think the playoff situation is gonna look like?
1: I actually – and I can't believe that this has been – that the, the momentum took us here because I thought for sure the next step was either going to be six or eight because everything moves at a glacial pace when it yeah. comes to college football. Uh, but I think I think now what they've come up with, the best formula for everybody, they've come up with 12. And it took me a while to totally wrap my arms around that and say, wait a minute now. Does Greg Sankey want 12? I mean, do the people that have been telling us that four teams is the perfect amount, all of a sudden they want to triple that amount? That seems overly progressive to me. But when you do the math, I mean, for example, the SEC, you're going to have multiple teams in that thing every year. So you're going to have three to four more times than not. So when you do right. the math on that, it's extra money for everybody. It's it's certainly not going to hurt the SEC. Uh, it it makes it a little bit more difficult, perhaps, for an Alabama. You know, you're going to have to play an extra game or two every year. Um, but I, I think they look at it as this is this is something that has to be done, and it 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 it's one of those things too. I don't think you can underestimate this or over this enough programs i know we like to think that sec football and other premier football programs ohio state oklahoma that they're just printing money left and right we found out during that pandemic that a lot of these schools were really hemorrhaging money and we found out even sec schools were looking at taking out loans heck they just took out an advance on future tv revenues that is how much they lost. You've got schools that lost anywhere between seventy, a hundred million dollars last year. So I think that was the final. Okay, let's go with this because it is going to mean more money in the coffers, and it's going to help make up for what was lost last year. And you know, who knows? Maybe to some extent, lost this year. Uh, so I, I, I just think finally everybody realized it's a losing battle to keep trying to convince the American public and everybody in it that four is the perfect amount because i don't think most people were buying that and if you if you can't win the argument going that way evolve the argument so by evolving it to 12 and realizing ways that more teams from your conference can get in then then all of a sudden you you've helped you've helped kind of solve the riddle and i think that's the way a lot of these conference commissioners in the power five look at it
0: The awesome Mike Morgan, play-by-play man for ESPN and the SEC Network. Hear him talk college football on the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. And you can follow him on social media. It's at MorganOnAir on on Twitter and MorganOnAir22 on on Instagram. Our thanks again to Mike Morgan. Hey, if you like what you hear on the Press Box and the Press Box Podcast, do us a couple favors. You can find us on social media, Press Box Radio 1. That's Press Box Radio and the number 1 twitter facebook and instagram like us subscribe if you would do that we would appreciate that big time same with the podcast uh, tell a friend as well on apple google podcast iHeartRadio, spotify stitcher tune in they can find us wherever they find their favorite podcast simply search for press box radio one that's press box radio and the number one have a great day guys and we'll see you again tomorrow inside the press box on great stations around the state of alabama online 24 7 PressboxRadio.com. this is the press box podcast